Welcome back to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. I'm really excited to share with you today's episode. We have an interview um, and I want to first tell you a little story about how this all came about in the first place. Uh, Some of you may know that I'm a new mum. I have a five-month-old daughter currently um, and uh, it's been a real adjustment for me in many ways, but one of those ways is that I... I have spent a lot of time sitting. I'm not the sort of person who um, spends a lot of time sitting around. I'm very active and I like to be on the go, but any mums out there know that when you've got a young baby, uh, you spend a lot of time feeding, which involves sitting down. So I needed something to entertain myself um, and Horse and Country TV was the answer to that. Uh, We got this new TV and on Samsung TV, there is the option to watch a 24-7 horse channel called Horse and Country, um, which I really enjoyed watching. But as I was sitting there one day watching Horse and Country TV, which is is full of fairly sort of mainstream writing, which is fine, um, but what really caught my eye was there was this trainer who was helping really advanced like professional riders with their quote-unquote problem horses and I was curious to see you know what she was doing to help the horses and immediately when I watched her I was like okay I need to follow this person she's definitely on par with my values with horsemanship it's all about understanding how the horse feels and helping the horse feel safe and motivated um, and having the horse understand what it is that you actually want them to do. So you can see, you can see why straight away I was like, okay, this girl knows what's up. Um, and so I jumped on over to her socials and followed her. And then shortly after she followed me back and, um, I reached out to ask her to come onto the podcast. And so here we are, we have got Connie Colfox on the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast today. Let me tell you a little bit about her. So Connie Colfox is a young horse specialist and problem horse trainer working with horses that have yet to be trained or have a particular issue to be solved. She says that people just send her horses that either haven't been trained, so they need starting off and sat on for the first time and, you know, hacked out and, and trained and, and started on a saddle, or they send her horses with certain problems, which she then tries to solve. Um, on Horse and Country TV, they were saying that, you know, she gets horses that, you know, no one else can solve the issue. No one else has been able to get through to a particular horse. And um, you'll see by, and you'll hear in this episode, that she uses positive reinforcement in training which has just been a huge, she says, had had made a huge difference in her horsemanship journey and is key to her helping these horses overcome their particular problems. Connie believes that horses can communicate through feelings whilst also understanding their their human's feelings, which is really important when it comes to training. And one thing that she said on Horse and Country TV was that she loves her job and she would do it even if she was a billionaire. And I love that. You can really feel her passion and her curiosity, her interest and her love of horses and training horses. So I'm super excited to share with you the uh, episode today. And 
I would love if you could all go on over to Connie's social media platforms and follow her because I think she mentions in the episode that I think her Facebook page was hacked or something at one point. So she's having to build up her following again, but it's definitely worth following anyway, because some of the videos that she shares are so interesting and you'll see that the way she uses positive reinforcement is really quite unique and um, really puts the horse in a position where they're able to truly and freely express themselves. So it's definitely worth jumping on over to her socials and watching some of her content. Okay. And of course, as always, if you love this episode, please screenshot and share on social media. The more that we get the the word out of the podcast, the more that these trainers that I interview will get their names out there too. And I really think that the horse world is going in a positive direction if these trainers can become more mainstream and more well-known. So anyway, uh, let's dive into today's podcast interview with Connie Colfox. Welcome to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast, a source for riding and training insights with the goal of helping your horse be a light, happy and willing partner. I'm your host, Amalia Dempsey, a mainstream equestrian rider who discovered natural horsemanship and equine learning theory, and now I help riders like you achieve connection and communication with your horse so you can have more fun and fulfillment whilst prioritizing the partnership. Get more learning resources, including my free connection and communication mini course at AmaliaDempsey.com. Click the follow button so you don't miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave me a rating and review or screenshot this episode and share on social media. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome Connie Colfox to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thanks very much for inviting me. I'm very excited about what's going to happen. I am so excited as well. The moment that I saw you on Horse and Country, I just was blown away and I thought, I would love to speak to Connie one day. I hope that she says yes to coming onto the podcast. So really keen to hear more about you. And to start off with, can you give us a little bit of a, a summary of your horsemanship journey to date from when you got started with horses to what has led to what you're doing now? Uh, yeah, in brief, um, I was the youngest of a large family and was left to my own devices. And we had 20 horses so I was, you know, let free with them the whole time. So I had never had any grown up saying, watch out, don't do this, don't do that. So from that point of view, I think that was a big uh, sort of beginning of my path. So I, I you know, I might have been nine handling um, two year old, 17 hand horses, that sort of thing. Wow. Um, and yeah, you know, it, within reason. But, you know, I had I had nobody, nobody stopping me doing anything. And I wasn't very academic and I just loved horses. So I went down that route. I really wanted to be an event rider. So I worked uh, for my cousins who are very, very famous riders over here. They were the Bullen family and Jenny Lauriston Clark, Jane Holdness Rodham um, and Mike Bullen. They all got medals at the Olympics. And um, so I thought that was normal. <laughs> so as a child, <laughs> I think... I think Jane won um, badminton when I was at school, when I was about 10 or 11, and she was on the front page of the Horse and Hound. 
and beautiful picture of her and her lovely horse. And I just thought that was the norm. So I thought, oh, well, that's what I'll do. I'll go eventing and I'll go to the Olympics. And I really wasn't good at that. You know, that wasn't my path, but that was where I sort of wanted to go. Um, but in the meantime, I sort of got into racing and I always just loved youngsters um, breaking my own po pony in at home. Obviously, I had no, you know, my parents weren't saying, don't do this. So I'd just go out in the field. I broke my first pony in on my own when I was about 10. I just went out with a head collar and sort of came back riding the pony. Well, um, yeah, I know, I know it's all quite sort of, you know, nowadays everyone's sort of so careful. But so then in racing, there's so many horses that are so badly trained, not as in, um, but so badly educated and they behave badly because of their education. And I just loved, um, I worked for Robert Ulner, who was a very, very good trainer over here and won um, the Gold Cup, which is the biggest sort of national hunt race. Um, but I just loved, there were 60 horses there and I just loved the fact it was a different horse every day. And as soon as you sat on its back, you had to make a judgment as to what was going to happen. Um, cause invariably people were falling off left, right and center and, you know, it was all quite wild and quite fun. So that's really what, you know, drew me. I, I had this sort of eventing, which I wasn't really good enough, but I just loved horses and I just loved helping horses and, you know, I, I sort of progressed like that. And then I sort of started my own business and I started training youngsters and I thought, well, that way doesn't work. Let's find a better way. And, you know, so then it sort of, that's my journey is really a learning journey of how to make life easier for me and my horses and you and everyone else, you know, a bit like probably you, I've had obviously had a bit of a look of your, at your um, website and you obviously are sort of, I think there's a group of us that are on a path to try and make life as easy as possible for our horses in our care. Yes. So. Yes. That's yeah, exactly what I'm all about as well. So love that. Um, and what really stood out to me was when I was watching videos of you was the use of positive reinforcement, you know, because I think it's not, it's not really mainstream. You could say to use it in especially equestrian disciplines like eventing and that kind of thing. And I saw that you were, uh training one of Chris Burton's horses I think it was and he yeah. was blown away by the use or the power <laughs> of positive reinforcement and how quickly you could change this horse's mind about a ditch that I think the horse is having issues with um yeah I just I just think that's really great that you're introducing that into what we would call like a mainstream kind of discipline um how would you I mean obviously positive reinforcement is a, a part of your training but how would you summarize your training approach or your philosophy with horses um good question um I just think about them you know like I would a human or, or any animal any being is you know I want them to feel comfortable with me I want you know in a way I just want them to be my friend if something's going wrong I want them to have my back and I want to have their back if you get my meaning so I will go into a um, and I've changed massively I used to be a high pressure trainer I had none of this knowledge I'd you know be the first person to get a big stick out and beat them to do what I want them to do but I've just learned you know because I've dealt with problem horses you know you'd soon kill yourself if you do that my level of riding I suppose isn't good enough you know these very very tough strong people you know and I'm a mother of three and I'm you know the wrong side of 50 they can sort of outride horses well I don't want to outride a horse I, I really want to you know I want to have a nice time with that horse and I want that horse to have a nice time with me so 
that's really the way I think about it is how would I feel if I was a horse in that situation? I mean, it's just incredible. I think that they let us put hot shoes on their feet. They let us put them in these metal boxes and, you know, yeah. So that's how I think about it is how would I feel if I was in their shoes? Yeah, that's a nice way to look at it. Um, And I'm curious to know whether there was a turning point for you because you said you were a high pressure trainer. Was it was it a slow progression, or was there one horse in particular that changed your mind, or like what what triggered this um, need to find a different approach? Um, I think it was sort of it progressed over time because I'm always wanting to do better. So, you know, with the sort of um, I work for, you know, I, I don't know if I really want to associate myself with some people I work for, but I work for a number of people. Um, over the years that I sort of thought, oh, that doesn't look right. Oh, I don't like, I, you know, I don't like what's going on there. However, they were having a great amount of success. So I, I I definitely listened to everything they were saying, but there was something, you know, me thinking, mm, yeah, I, li- I like that, but I'm not sure about this. But I, I, and I had a fair amount of success. So I was being sent more and more difficult horses and I had to um, get my knowledge up and I had to become better because, you know, I was getting horses from professional male riders that were having trouble. Well, I can't outride a male professional rider and I can't out pressurize them. So it was just a natural progression that that would happen. And I tell you what did happen. I have I've had a few sort of eureka moments years and years ago. I saw an article with Shauna, you know, the American lady, and I can't pronounce Shauna Karish, who's been on the podcast That's it. before. Yeah. 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 Shauna, who I've met, who I've had over here. She's you know, I, I always try and get the people with the knowledge. I try and get the knowledge from the people. But she had helped um BZ Madden yes. with a with a show jumper. This is 20 years ago or longer, 30 years ago, I should think. And I just had that in the back of my mind. For some reason, it was only a little photograph. And about 20 years ago, so that was probably 25 years ago, I don't, I don't know the time, mm-hmm. I suddenly thought things aren't working, These, this pressure, there's 70% of horses I can fix with the pressure, yeah. but you know, there's 30% that just aren't, you know, it's just not working. And mm-hmm. those that percentage are the ones that are actually going to hurt me because they will not tolerate it. Yeah. And so from that, I just, I, don't, I can't remember the exact thing, but I suddenly just thought, yeah, I'm going to give it a go. Mm-hmm. And um, I literally, I'd, I'd ruined a, a little driving horse. My father was um, in his 90s and he his old driving ponies had gone, you know, they, they were old and I had to, you know, get some more driving ponies going. And there are very few, dri- you know, pairs of driving ponies available to buy. So I thought I'll just buy some and I'll start them and I'll get them going. And because of the time frame, my dad was getting older <laughs> He wasn't going to be around much longer. I put a lot of pressure on them and one of them just wouldn't tolerate it. Mm. And so I just went down. I literally went down and I started, you know, trying a bit of positive reinforcement. Can't remember where I, you know, even what the Internet was up to at that stage. But I obviously, you know, so I didn't have like now there's so much information. You can just get on the Internet and you can learn so much. It wasn't at that time. But I started playing around with this pony and within five minutes I'd improved it you know so much you know from there on I just thought you know what are we doing this is crazy you know this Mm. horse is now progressing where you know 
I, I've, I've just got to change what I'm doing. So, and it was a difficult transition because mm. I'd already got a fairly, you know, I mean, not successful business, but I was running a business which was, you know, helping our family and it was sort of keeping us afloat. And I was a successful pressure trainer and I had to transition whilst working. So it was quite a, you know, so for all those people out there who think that, um, you know, who are on the high pressure world and are successful, but do want to change, it is doable whilst running a business. You know, it was quite a journey to do that transition because if you, I was getting on all my horses the first day they arrived, you know, and I was, so to then have to spend the time to to actually sort of befriend them and make them feel safe rather than just sort of flood them um, was was quite a sort of mental journey for me because I, I had to become worse to get better yeah which I think we all have to do you know and I think that's the big thing with the you know I think that's the big thing with learning anything is mm. you a have to open yourself up that you don't know it all and then b you have to actually go backwards to then progress and I'm prepared to do that for the horse and for my own enjoyment. And I think that's what we need to allow people who are high pressure trainers. We need to allow them that space, not to feel that they don't know something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's frightening not knowing stuff if you're, if you're running a business, isn't it? Or if you're successful. I was thinking you might have felt like a bit of an existential crisis at that point when you had built your business on being a pressure trainer and then suddenly you found this better way and that must have been difficult for you in that time to continue the business but start changing your methods as well and and convincing your clients too that this is a good way to train because I know there's a stigma around using food in training. What would you say around um, around that topic where people think, oh, I don't really want to use treats they just create a pushy horse or, um, you know, it's just bribery, you know, the common objections to using food in training. Um, I sort of lead my life a bit like I train my horses is I don't mind if people aren't ready to go down that route, then they're not ready. And um, I don't want to have to, I'm not, I want to sort of give people a little, little show of what's going on so that they can, make their mind up so yeah so I'm not um and I never minded telling anyone what I you know I'm very open about what I do so I never minded telling anyone um and I was it was early enough in the sort of positive world that it was so unusual I don't think anyone would have even sort of paid much attention to it anyway (laughs) do you know what I mean it sort of wasn't now it's quite a buzzword you know are you a positive trainer are you a negative buzzers then it just I I don't know I didn't know I mean I had to to get the uh, the sort of information so for me I wanted to know as soon as I knew this worked I wanted to know right how does it work um I've got to get all this knowledge as quickly as I can to my start you know to the whole business because there's no point just me knowing it so I actually there's a there's a great girl in Ireland called Helen Spence she's a doctor of psychology and she was one of the sort of first people over here that had um anything to do with it so I just you know I would just fly her over it was before we had I mean I can't remember if we had zoom I imagine we didn't because otherwise we would have used zoom but I she used to come (laughs) over and train and train the team because I just needed everyone around me to know what we knew so it was a really fantastic time um, for what we were doing because we were all on that journey together and it was you know it was great and the, the results just you know the results are as we all know are wonderful 
Yeah, I I love your approach to, you know, not, I guess, um, judging people for not training the way that you do um, and and going down the path of trying to inspire them rather than, you know, force it down their throat, so to speak, which is, you know, how you how you train <laughs> as well with that um, that open yeah. approach and allowing the horse to to take their time. Um, do you feel like there is there can be an integration of using pressure release and treats? And I'm curious to know how you help your clients, so the human clients, take their horse back after having that basis of positive reinforcement training and then going on to being ridden traditionally. You could say. So I um so so with my horses, what I'm trying to um, achieve with them is that they are happy in our world. And we use pressure. We all use pressure. We all use negative reinforcement. Mm-hmm. I am not a solely positive reinforcement trainer. I will bring whatever in. My thing is, is how does that horse feel while I'm doing that process? So, um, you know, there's some horses that pressure, partly because of the way it's been introduced to them, is really upsetting to them so with them I'll be using masses of positive reinforcement and then I'll be bringing in the pressure because I don't think I mean I think it's just it's you need a rounded horse and you need a horse that when we're we're humans we make mistakes I make mistakes the whole time I put pressure on horses I still do but I'm conscious of what what's going on with the horse when I put pressure on it but I think that um who if anyone thinks they're perfect then you know yeah. they're not and I think we need our horses to feel um safe with our emotions as well you know yeah. if if we're if we're feeling a bit pissed off and a bit frustrated they need to they, they know that yeah you know, they know that even if we don't turn around and belt them they still know that um you know so so I think it's just stay real everyone don't go on some Only. yeah that's what I think just stay real and treat them like you treat your friend you know when your friend's being a pain in the ass and doing something really stupid you would say to your friend you know you are being a moron and <laughs> your your relationship would mend it might you know yeah. it might take a, a a morning to mend but in the end your friend would realize that you'd done the right thing so yeah. that's sort of how I feel you know if your horse if you're walking up the road on a horse and there's a truck coming and your horse is frightened of your truck you know what do you do do you sit there and just positively reinforce it while it runs under the truck and kills you? Or do you yes. then say, actually, I'm the grown up here? You know, there's I'm a truck coming. control of the situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my, yeah. that's my take. Mm, yeah. I like that really balanced approach. Um, I think it's, it's needed. And I think as well, especially if you're wanting to, to do things with your horse, like compete or, um, right there's going to be pressure involved so it's valuable to help the horse have a positive experience and learn how to navigate pressure in a healthy way where they're not feeling like they're being forced or attacked or um that kind of feeling so yes i am curious though about this 30 percent the 30 percent of horses that you mentioned that just didn't seem to work with the high pressure training and with the male professional riders that um couldn't solve or fix these horses what do you think it was about that 30%? Is there something special about these horses? Are these the quirky, really uh, horses with high potential? Like what is it about these 30% horses? Well, I think it's that, you know, there are some horses, competition horses that do really well with an amateur rider. 
Mm-hmm. I've seen it in the past and I, I I don't want to say the names of the horses in case I get it wrong, but <laughs> I have seen it over the years. You have an amateur horse that that does really well, like outstandingly well. It's maybe mm-hmm. a little bit lacking lacking in talent, but, you know, scrabbles on over that, uh, over those jumps. And then a professional rider gets hold of them. And because the professional rider is wanting more and the relationship isn't there, they don't get the results. You know, it, the, the horse did scramble over those jumps for the amateur rider because of that connection, because there was something more than just I'm riding an animal and I'm very good at teaching it to come off the leg and all the rest of it. So I think there's that. And I think some horses just are more, um, you know, they are prepared to. It's really the ones that shut down, I would say, wouldn't you? That are the more difficult ones the ones that don't like pressure that go very quickly into themselves, the ones that don't like pressure and are reactive are much, much easier because yes. you don't need to use much pressure. So pressure release works really easily, but it's the ones that shut down and then they become resentful. I mean, yeah. resentment is a massive, massive part of how I think animals feel in human, you know, in human hands. They they do. And I'm sure lots of mine feel resentful of me. I'm, you know, I get it wrong all the time. Mm. So I certainly don't think I get it right all the time. But I think um, yeah, I think resentment is something they feel and they are prepared to come off that pressure. That pressure makes them feel that insecure, whatever it is. They feel, I mean, we then have to think into what, what a horse rather than a human, don't we? So you're yeah. saying, I'm saying that that pressure, that horse thinks that that pressure is that dangerous to it. It will not come, you know, it will not comply, I suppose. I don't know. This is where I'm really bad at trying to express what I'm talking about because I'm not very clever, not really. Well, I think it's making sense. Yeah. But that 30 yeah. are the ones that instead of being reactive to pressure they tend to go or shut down and go internal and therefore even if you use more pressure they're not going to respond and so this is where people are stuck because they're like well I really don't want to use any more pressure (laughs) but I'm not getting a response so what do I do now and that's where you come in and is it true that you get the worst of the worst like you get the horses that no one can ride like that's what I've heard in the I think it was on horse and country that they said that but um. I don't know I mean god I, I I don't know I mean I have had some horses that are you know I have yeah I think we all have I think you know I probably don't I mean I do get horses from pretty good people who are way 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 better riders than me I mean you know massively better riders but I also have horses from really nice sort of amateur people who are more difficult to train than some of the sort of you know more um you know uh sort of impressive you know it's impressive if I say I've had a horse from so-and-so or so-and-so but that's not always the most difficult horse to train (laughs) sometimes it's the you know it's the cop down the road that's really really tough so I mean you know I don't know the answer is I do get difficult horses but I am not bulletproof okay (laughs) I I just try and use my brains I want to stay alive we do improve pretty well every I mean I think we improve every horse that comes to us. And what are you wanting from your horses is to, uh, that's the other thing I just think about horse training is if somebody sends you a horse and they want it to go and be a, you know, meet a 30 show jumper and it just can't do it, then, you know, you've got to say it just can't do it. So I do get really difficult horses, but I will try and make sure those horses go into a life that they can cope with what they're up to. Yeah, so 
do you feel like you sometimes have to comment on the suitability of the discipline for that horse if they're telling you, if the horse is telling you, I actually don't want to do dressage or <laughs> I don't want to jump yeah, I think, ready. <laughs> yeah, 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 I think, I mean, that's what we've all got to realise, isn't it? And it's like selling horses. People sell horses and they pretend they jump a metre 20 when really they can only really jump a metre. Why are you doing that? Tell them it jumps a metre really well. Don't ask it to jump a metre 20, you know. Yeah. I think that's part of being a trainer, isn't it? Surely is that's the other part of what we need to get out to the world is let's not try and make things, animals do things that they're not really capable of doing. Let's try and keep everyone in a position where they feel comfortable and then they can have a good career doing, you know, whatever class suits them. Yes. Now you said that you're not bulletproof. I'm curious to know if you've had horses that you can't help and what was the reason? Do you think it it's um, sometimes veterinary or body related when horses have got such severe behaviour or do shut down? Um, or are there some horses that simply just say no to being ridden? What are your thoughts? And, and please tell us about the horses that perhaps you haven't been able to help. Um, I'm sure there are loads of horses I haven't been able to help or to the extent that the owner wants you to help them because that, that we're going back to that point, aren't we? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, the horse has to go on into a life that it can feel safe in, you know, number one, can it feel safe? And if you've got a horse that's really scared and the rider's really scared, then the rider's always telling that horse yeah. that everything is scary. So that's just not going to work. So I do remember a time when I'd had um, my son so and I was trying to keep the business going and I was getting up at four o'clock in the morning or whatever, keep it all going. And a good friend of mine actually sent me about four or five of her horses, which were about eight years old and they weren't broken in. And she'd done an awful lot of sort of high pressure training. Okay. And uh, I did send, I think I did send one. I, I certainly sent one of those home. I think I, I think I got going with them and it was just a hiding to nothing, broke a couple in, sent a couple home and, that was that was before I really made the transition, because you see the other thing about making the transition to the training I do is I got less, comf you know, I got less brave, you know, as a 25 yeah. year old, you're pretty brave. By then I'd had children and I was running a business on a short time. You know, you've got to get back to look after the children. So I, in actual fact, it was a really good thing that happened to me because me getting high, even heavier with the pressure was just not going to help. So that was another reason for changing, um, changing the way I train. And uh, so, so my uh, weaknesses actually, I think have become my strengths because mm -hmm. I want my horses to feel super, super safe because I'm no longer, you know, 25 and want to, you know, leap around the place. So, yeah. So yes, I have had the answer to the question. I'm terrible at answering questions. The answer to the question is I'm sure I've had horses that haven't, <laughs> I haven't cured and also there's some horses that I can ride and that they really trust me and you know they do struggle with the next you know they do then struggle because I've been learning this a long time I really you know I try and really connect with my horse and if the rider can't connect with a difficult horse then the likelihood is the rider is going to struggle yeah yeah um going back to the whole, um, you know, after having children, just just being a little bit more careful about riding. I'm five months into motherhood. Oh, I have to say, congratulations! Thank you. So, hang on, you've got a five year old son or daughter? Five month old. 
five um, months old sorry daughter <laughs> congratulations gosh yes thank and you. that's how how have you found that have you found the transition yeah well I was really keen to get back into riding because we had Karen Rolf coming over here to Australia to do a clinic so I had a deadline in which I had to get back riding for which kind of served me well um, but I have to say in general I'm a more sensitive and compassionate person I think I was before, but even more so now towards any animal, which has really made me reflect on my own practices even more. Um, And yeah, when riding, I I would say I'm still a confident rider, but there is that in the back of your mind, you know, you've got more responsibility now in terms of if anything were to happen to you. So it is interesting. I think a lot of women feel like that um, after riding or after having babies and then returning to riding. So, yeah. But I think this is where I think you guys are quite lucky because you're obviously very young. So nowadays, so the difference, so training the way I train now and training the way I used to train is so, so different. So, you know, I'm getting older and I'm getting braver because I'm training within the capabilities of yeah. my horses and I'm making my horses feel safer. So if you think back to when I had my my children, I was sort of at the peak, you know, my son was, you know, I was probably at the peak of my pressure training. Ah, okay. And I went from having a baby into the peak of, I've got to be as brave <laughs> as they come to ride this horse yeah. through this problem. Whilst as now I'm at the completely other end of the spectrum. So, you know, it's, it's a really great journey to be able to be getting better, even though I'm getting to the wrong age of right doing the job I do you know I'm it's you know it was traditionally a young person's job wasn't it problem horses yeah but I'll probably fall off tomorrow tonight I'll be ringing you up saying oh god I can't, I can't believe I said that I'm flat on my back now but yeah oh, oh that's oh it's so great with your daughter and you saying that because I remember too after having children I just couldn't watch telly because anything upsetting on telly used to make yeah. me cry so I think that maybe that was another, the actual fact I was a mother, maybe that was another thing that mm. helped helped me change. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And um, before you were talking about building that connection with the horse and because you, you had that with the horse that you had trained, but they didn't have that with the original owner or handler rider. Um, I have seen that too, where a horse might be able to do something for me, with me, but because a problem was created and associated with a particular person that they have to go through counter conditioning that issue for it to be solved with them. Does that make sense? It's almost like the issue is tied with them. Um, Yeah. But I think the beauty of that is then they, if they choose to persist with the horse, they can go down that learning pathway. And I have done a little snoop on your website. And I think you do offer a program online where you take people through some guided training. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. Uh, So I've just done two courses, which were amazing. And I don't know if you find the same, because I think you do courses as well. I think we're all doing them. (laughs) But um, (laughs) is it that you learn so much about what you're doing? You know, I've learned more in the last six months 
I've just learned so much watching myself. It's it's great. Yeah. So what I my thing that I love is I just love solving a problem. And I so ideally what I what the people on my courses are people who've got a problem with their horse. And I just take them through what I do with all the horses that come to me or you're in the job of training horses. So it's either some. But if your horse is perfect and all the rest of it, then I'd rather you went somewhere else because I like to see. I like I love that change. I love that sort of whole um, big step into the new world. And uh, so mine's very one on one. So it's very small groups and I speak to them every week. Um, So it's not I do worry about because I was approached by somebody who wanted to sell the stuff I do when it's not live. How do you say it? You know, when it's sort of Uh, like um, it's just a self-paced course. So no yeah. with you, yeah. <laughs> and anyway, I just couldn't get my head around it. I just thought, do you know what? People are going to wrap themselves up and they're going to make such a bloody Horlux of this. <laughs> and what I don't want to do is I don't want to... I don't want to be that person where they go, oh, I'm doing the Connie Colfox this and this oh, isn't yes. working and that's not working. <laughs> I don't I don't want to go down that. So I want so I'm doing it one on one. Maybe maybe when I've really got it fine tuned, it can go out uh, and be cheaper and be more available to people. But at the moment, I want to really train them so that they really know what they're doing and hopefully don't cause, you know, more trouble. Because like you say, with food, there are masses of issues training with food, just yeah. like there are masses of issues training with pe- pressure. You know, yes. training is is hard work, whichever way you do it. Yes. Can you tell us about some of those issues with food that you've come across? Well, it's, I think, so you've got your basics, which I think pretty well every trainer, you know, any positive trainer is now sort of got this sort of sorted and that, you know, we must train for relaxation. We don't want horses sort of overstimulated by the food. (laughs) And so I think overstimulation is number one. And uh, the other thing is, is remember, you don't want them doing it for the food, so you don't want them to be doing it just because they're getting a reward. So you want to do it so that you're building it up so that what they're doing is actually what feels good. So if you take things slow enough, then they're going to be doing it because it's just a nice thing to do, not because at the end of the day, you know, when they put yeah. their foot on the ramp, they get a nut. So because because that's not good training either. That's stressful for them because they're just thinking, oh, I want that food. I want that food. Mm. So I think that's quite a quite a biggie. I don't know what you think on that line. Yeah, I agree. But I feel like it's a fine line, you know, like I think people struggle to get that balance right. Um, myself included sometimes with some. Yeah, ones, and so. me. Yeah, yeah, always. I mean, <laughs> God, I mean, I masses, I think. We all struggle, don't we? Yeah. What I thought was quite interesting is the other day I had a comment on a on a video which said sort of, oh, it's so unfair, or something. Oh, I don't think you should show videos like this because it makes it all look so easy. I didn't see there's nothing. I just thought that was hilarious. I mean, good for her. I don't have a problem with her saying that. And I sort of understand it, but it was like, I'm like, yeah, but you know, things are difficult when you learn stuff it is difficult and what we yeah. all got to stand we've all got to stand still because somebody's going to feel bad that they're seeing something and they can't you know they can't sort of reenact it i'm like well just you know watch the good stuff and see see where you can get that's what i do i mean i just watch people train and 
you know, if mm. it's good, I try and soak it up. And if it's rubbish, I know, well, that's that doesn't work. Yeah, I think the comment as well had um, not everyone has the facilities to do this. But oh, yeah. You didn't have, you weren't using a lot of facilities really. And I think that's a um, misconception people have that they've got to have an indoor arena, they've got to have stables, they've got to have all these fancy flashy things to get results with their horses. But I think there's so much magic that you can just do in their paddock. But again, people say, you know, don't train them where they live and eat and yeah, but I, I oh, do they say that? Do they say yeah. that I didn't even know they said yeah. that? I've missed that. Yeah. I know you see, that's the other thing is, but that's the whole positive that's where positive reinforcement is going to save you thousands. I've got all these round pens that I put in at home. I don't need them any longer. Yeah. You know, I can do it, I could do it anywhere. And that's you know, that lady didn't understand, you know, lots of people don't understand that. Yeah, because the first thing is, does your horse like you? Does it want to hang out with you? Yeah. And if it does, it's not going to be 20 miles away when you ask it to do something. It might want to walk off, but it will come back again. So yeah. I, I totally agree. We can all save masses of money. <laughs> yeah. Don't need all these fancy facilities. Yeah. Equestrian minimal minimalism, I call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, what has been your biggest horsemanship breakthrough to date? Oh, God. I don't know if I've had one yet. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't. Uh, I just Us. love it. I just, <laughs> I, just, I just love it when, I don't know, when a horse, when it gets it and you, I don't know, you know that moment where they, I don't They're know. Like, oh, is that what you want? I can do that. <laughs> Yeah, or not even that. They might just rest their head on your cheek or something like that because it is literally like they have said, you know, they have, I mean, they've sort of said, oh, few, few. I suppose that's my biggest thing is when a horse says to me, few, because he now can sort of be relaxed and, and think clearly, you know, and and be able to try and think together and mm. feel together, that sort of thing. I, those are my break breakthroughs. I think I know the moment you're talking about where they almost go, oh, you see me. That's how it feels to me. It's like, yeah. oh, you notice, you, you're noticing me. You're feeling what I'm yes. thinking. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I totally, yes, you've noticed me. I think you've hit the nail on the head. You now are noticing me because that's the whole thing so that with the I don't know with your age whether whether you can remember this but it was all like can you hear your horse whisper (laughs) or was it something like that anyway I sort of thought god everyone's I think this is all upside down because in actual fact it's it it was all about um oh I think you were meant to be whispering to the horse anyway it was something and I used to think oh I don't know about that because it's really about can you notice those little things in your horse and can the horse notice those little things in you so it does start being this two-way sort of little thing going on so yeah I love that it's it's really fantastic and gives me a lot of pleasure do you have any tips for our listeners on how they can start to show their horse that they're noticing them more I think probably everybody who is listening to this is is on that journey anyway. Yeah. I don't think I'll be able. To, I don't think I'll be able to help them do anything. I think they're there anyway. So it's just keep keep going, keep trying. I mean, I think where I've been really lucky is I have had so many horses through my place, 
So I have so many times to relearn and experiment. And I, I've not done, you know, I've not had my own horse for so long. So oh, really? I think, no. So I would love that. That's what I would love is to have a horse that I keep and I can progress. So, you know, all my horses, I mean, I very rarely have them more than eight, you know, 10 weeks would be a really long time to have to have a horse. So, yeah, I think you guys are all amazing and you're probably... You know, we can all just learn from each other, can't we? It is, it's great. And with the internet, it's just incredible. There's just so much information for us all. Yeah, it's brilliant. I'm, I'm really interested to know now because you don't have your own horse currently. What is your ultimate goal with horses? Like, why do you do this, Connie? I know you love fixing problems, but do you have like this vision of something that you'd like to achieve in the future? Um. Well. I just want, you know, it's all the bridalist stuff, isn't it? You know, yes. but I with with without the negatives, you know, little bits of negative stuff. Yeah. Um, I I will use, but and everyone, so yeah, it's the bridalist stuff, and that's what I just I just love horses that are free. I always used to have this reoccurring dream when I was little, and I think I am heading towards that. Is that I used to dream I was walking up this mountain path. And there was like a herd of wild horses galloping past me and they were all different colors and they had all their manes. And I just grabbed a mane and I just swung on to the back of this horse and I galloped off with this herd of horses. That's my that's my ultimate. Even if I'm 80, if I can do that, I'll be really chuffed. I can definitely picture you doing that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's the bridalist stuff that's what I'd love to do I'd love to build my courses up so that I don't have to have such a you know so many horses coming through so I can just have something to play with and just play around and have fun I'm excited for that um mm. I'd like to know who inspires you oh god I everyone does everyone <laughs> but so is there anyone I'm, specifically um well at the moment I think you're have you done that course with Nadine the Australian girl yes yeah so you've been on the podcast as well (laughs) okay well I I mean I uh, have always been one to I just want information and I love learning it and what I loved about I I'm so dyslexic I can't read her surname what's her surname it's something extraordinary Uh, Linda Blom Okay, Lindblom. I think there's a way you're supposed to say it, but yeah. Okay, so I've just done, that's the first horse course I think I've done online, but I've done that because I loved the, I love seeing the motivation in her horses. Yeah. And I think uh, for me, because my absolute number one is calmness because I've got horses that come in and I'm sure she has too, and we all work differently, but mine is how does that horse feel seriously safe? And is he seriously calm? Cause I want to get on and ride him. Um, but with her horses, they look so motivated and, I think that's great, but I've, I haven't been following her for years. I've only, like, funnily enough, it's really odd because I saw her on Facebook probably about a year ago or six months ago, and I was trying to find her to see her stuff, and I couldn't remember her name because it was so such a peculiar name, and I found you. Oh. So I looked at your stuff. I remember, you know, <laughs> and then looking you saw at your yeah, well, it was just weird because, you know, the, it, it's a big old world, isn't it? And and then I'm thinking maybe you saw my stuff because I'd looked, you know, with this whole algorithm. And was it because I'd looked on your website that you then saw my stuff? I'm not entirely sure because I have to say 
the reason why I watched Horse and Country in the first place was because I'm not a person that sits down, but with a five-month-old baby, you spend a lot of time sitting down feeding. So I said to my husband, we've got to get a 24-7 horse channel. And uh, you were on there. But then I don't, because I looked at your page, whether it then showed you my page Potentially, that's how okay. that works. Well, anyway, <laughs> I did. I I had discovered you, and and funnily enough, you know, I saw that. I think you were doing her courses. You know, we were both yes. doing her course. Yeah. So oh, I think I didn't she's... know you were in her course. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done her. I've I've done it. Well, I've done it. I mean, it's never finished, is it? But yeah, I've no. <laughs> I've um no. And I mean, God, I've had amazing people. My, my um my cousins. I was saying to you at the beginning, they are traditional trainers. They're yeah. incredible. Jane Holdness Rodham. She was the first woman, I think, ever to get a gold medal. Um, and she won badminton on a horse that was fourteen two. Wow. Um, she, you know, and her sister, Jenny Lauriston Clark, incredible people, all the people I've worked for, I think, uh, have been amazing. I've learned loads off them. Um, I've worked for some people I've learned a lot of not what not to do. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, and uh, yeah, and everyone, I think, you know, and people who work for me, I love hearing their views on horses. And yeah. I had this um, Czech girl who rode and she used to come back and say the most sort of, I used to think they're quite odd, the things she'd say. And then now I look back and I think, God, you know what? She was really right. She's really, you know, she was only about 21. She probably knew a lot more than I did. What sort so, of things did yeah. she say? Well, she well, it was sort of, I suppose, along the line of the friendship, you know, she would mm. come back and and sort of talk about the horse as if it was sort of a human. I don't know, but she would sort of it was along the lines of being a team, I think, is what um, what she was saying. But at the time I was uh, this was a long time ago. This was 20 odd years ago or or even more at the time I was you know, I was high, down my high pressure route. Come on, you've got to do it. You're told to do it. Get on and do it. And she was, you know, younger generation thinking of things differently. And um, yeah, it was nice. Yeah. Do you think that the younger generation of equestrians coming through with the way, I guess, society is these days with being more inclusive and accepting and thinking about, you know, social license to operate and ethical, well, ethical methods, do you think the equestrian world is going to get going to be a kind of place for horses? I, it's got to be. It can't carry on. It's got to be. I'm afraid we've got to live. Well, I'm not afraid because I'm lucky enough to have gone on this journey long, long enough ago that I feel established in what I understand. Mm. And I think for the older people, it's frightening, isn't it? Because they're going to be losing what they're used to so I but I think I'm not a sort of you know I'm a sort of am I a tough person I mean but what I mean is is I use pressure and I'm not afraid to tell a horse to do something and I'm not afraid to tell my dog to do something I'm not afraid to tell my children to do something Mm -hmm. so I'm I'm not down those routes I mean I once remember I had another post this was ages ago yeah annoyingly my Facebook was I Anyway, I lost all my stuff because of mm-hmm. I was hacked or something funny. But anyway, this was about, this is five years ago, six years ago. I had this video. This horse was they couldn't even clip it being doped. They and I was doing using consent with this horse uh, to clip him. And it was at the time, you know, even six years ago, that was quite modern. Yeah. And there was a group, a Facebook clicker group, you know, positive yeah. reinforcement group. Mm-hmm. And there was a lady who ran that group who was so scathing of this stuff I put on the internet mm. uh, because I was clipping the horse. 
So I was cruel, even though I was clipping the horse totally free, using consent, positive reinforcement. Horse could have wandered off, done what he, he liked. You know, there, somebody from the positive world was just really nasty, really upset. So they thought it was cruel that you were clipping, like they thought the clipping itself was They cruel. thought the clipping was cruel. So they were saying that I was cruel because I was cr- clipping the horse, but they were horse trainers, you know, they rode horses themselves. And I think that's the something that needs to be where does where does it stop? Yeah. You know, where is you know you can't win can you? To, <laughs> you just... No, you've either got to turn them all out on a hill, horses, and say humans cannot interact with a horse, or you've got we you know, I don't I don't know where it does stop, but we've got to keep improving. We've got to keep improving and understanding. I think that's the thing, isn't it? With with riders is if you understand what is going on, and that's what people don't understand. So mm-hmm. competition riders who understandably, all their training is about, you know, jumping the bigger jump or doing the better dressage or whatever. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't go into the detail that maybe you or I and all these other people have gone into because mm-hmm. it's, it is relevant to them, but it doesn't have to be relevant to them. And they, um, we all need to understand the science behind, you know, we all need to yeah. understand what's going on with the horse's nervous system. And I yeah. think that's what needs to change to start with is if you're a professional, maybe you need to do a 10 week online course, mm. you know, on, on how the horse's brain works so that you know that when you're doing that to a horse, that horse is shut down or, you know, they understand that because that's the thing. It's very easy to flood a horse and it appear to be behaving itself, mm. but they don't understand what they've actually done. So that's what I would say. Yeah. What would you say? Yeah, you I agree. I think, before when you were saying how it might not be relevant to them, I think you're right. Like, because I was in the same boat, it wasn't relevant to me to look into how the horse is feeling because I was out competing and winning and it, it didn't matter you yeah. know, to me. Um, yeah. I still love my horses. Absolutely. But I didn't think I had any problems, but what happens is people a horse will come along and suddenly it is relevant. You know, they get a new horse and they're like, I don't even know how to start things off. And so they go looking or they have a horse with problems and and that's in a way a blessing because that's when people start to think about how they're actually doing and how the horse is actually feeling about what they're doing. So yeah, no, I think I think you're right. And that's but that's <laughs> the thing, isn't it? That that's the thing. If you've got your if you're out looking for horses and you want to go and jump your classes or whatever, which I'm all for. I'm all for all types of horses. You know, I, I think horses need a job. I think the worst thing you can do is sit a horse in a field for 40 years. You know, God, I'm not to make anyone drop dead, isn't it? But they um, <laughs> but the um it's it's not until you're absolutely hitting the nail on the head, it's not until you come up against that horse that is a bit resistant to what you want to do. You know, if your horse is fairly happy doing it or or worried about enough about not doing it then Mm. everything is you 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 can ignore what's going on because like you say you're getting the results so it's not really until you're talking numbers is it that Mm. um, because you choose those horses too a lot of the time if you're competing you go and you look at 10 horses and you think actually don't like that one (laughs) whilst that's where I've been lucky because I get that 10th horse that nobody likes because yeah. it's difficult. So then he's been my learning. He's he's what's taught me what I know. So mm. I'm very glad to have those ones. But yeah. And we even can though- do something. We can do something about this, though, can't we? You know, yeah, people absolutely. Absolutely. That's we can, what we're already trying to do. 
Yeah, exactly. So that's the whole point of this podcast, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's fun. It's fun, and I think you know it's interesting because I watched one of your. You know, I've done a little bit of research on you too, and I um, oh, that's another person that's. Um, I mean, I'm only mentioning that's on your podcast. Who uh, Georgie Bruce is it? Is Georgie, Georgie Bruce. Bruce. Yep, she's amazing. So, yeah, so I don't know Georgie Bruce at all. I haven't done her course or anything like that. I'd love to, though, because, she, I mean, she's been in it a very long time. And she would be somebody, I saw her do stuff. And I, I remember um, I had a high-pressure trainer with me here. And I was going down the other way. I was thinking, oh, I don't like that. You know, I'm just, yeah. and I, I was playing around with um, stuff. And I remember seeing something of Georgie's and going out and thinking, oh, that looks good. And I'd already been training my horses using positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. But she just, it was some little trick. And I, oh, it's, it was, um, I think, pointing at, a, at the horse's legs and the horse picking the legs up. Oh, yeah. And I went out and it took, you know, it took like four minutes to train my horse to do it because yeah. all the building blocks were there. And yeah. that was a real, that was quite a eureka moment because it was yeah. like, God, oh, I mean, that's bloody easy, isn't it? So, um, yeah, those guys, all those guys, are, are, you know, if we can all get together and push the world in, in a good direction, then that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting time when using food in training horses in the mainstream equestrian, like it, if it was just everywhere, you know, it was normalized, that's going to be really cool. So tell me just before we go, what's, um, so is Georgie Bruce, is she Australian too? Yeah, I've actually had a couple of lessons with her online because she does online lessons too. Um, yeah. So yeah, we've got actually some really brilliant trainers. You've got some amazing, you have got some really amazing, you know, alternative trainers, haven't you? Yeah. And I wonder if that's because you're more remote. Do you think it's because there's less I have haven't thought got... about this actually. I, I think that is the case because we have to do more experimenting. But I also, yeah. because we're, I guess you could say we're more isolated, like we're more few and far between. Perhaps we're not bombarded with um, what what is normal, I guess. Um, yeah. We don't have, most of us, oh, a lot of people are gist, but a lot of people just have their own horses on their own properties. So you're not around yeah. lots of other people who are influencing you. This isn't everywhere of course but I know it's different in the UK where I think a lot of people will have their horse you call it livery don't you we call it logistic um you know very influenced by the trainer of that yard and yeah (laughs) yeah that can be really scary but that would be another podcast is go to an English livery yard and see what information you get from a lot of people who are professionals that would scary. be interesting um <laughs> I'm conscious of the time Connie let me just check yeah, yeah. Okay. um because I know you're busy but before we wrap up I've got a few other questions if you've got time oh, okay yeah yeah I'll try not to waffle this time <laughs> no no it's all good I like the waffling it's good um we have a list of books from uh all of the people that have been on the horsemanship breakthroughs podcast that they have recommended and books that okay. I recommend as well. You can see all the books behind me. <laughs> okay. Um, do you have any favorite horse books or Never read a horse book. or courses um, that you can recommend to our listeners? Well, I don't do horse books. Um, don't read those. Well, like like we've said, I, you know, I've done the Nadine course, which I think is yeah. really fun. I think you need some background in positive reinforcement yeah. first that would be my little thing I want you know I'd be interested it'd be interesting talking to her as to the feedback she gets I think she's amazing mm-hmm. 
that's the only course I've done, but I just troll the internet and I look at, yeah. I, that's it, troll it. I troll it, not troll it, by the way. <laughs> so uh, so I just go through the internet. I just watch so many people. I watch as many people as I can on the internet. I read as much as I can on the internet. And then I've got my doctor of psychology. I read it and then I ring her up and I say, I've read this on the internet. Is it true? And she goes, no, that's a load of bullshit. That's completely ah. wrong science. Well, really? you know, sometimes... Well, yeah, or she says it's true, but, you know, you can't believe everything you read no. on the Internet. So you might read something that um, somebody said that's not true. So I always read it and then I cross-reference it because I don't want to be learning stuff that's not not true. Yeah, so that's it. And I am really lucky, and I know it's really boring saying yeah. this, but I have my horses. They teach me, since I've gone down, the no pressure and I do loads of work with no um, equipment on so if I'm getting it wrong my horse doesn't do what I want it to do so my horses have taught me you know they've taught us all but I think I've been very lucky because I've had large numbers of horses that come through yeah I am in awe of what you do Connie I think it's incredible I think you're an amazing influence on the equestrian community globally what is the one message that you would like our listeners to know from today's podcast interview Oh, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I think just give, you know, give everything a go and don't get, you know, give things a go because you'll see what works and what doesn't work. And I think the other thing is actually, no, the most important thing is when you're looking on the internet, look at how the horses feel because there are some very good trainers. And I think they are very good trainers. I'm not saying they're not um, because their horses do do what they want them to do. And I'm not against high pressure, you know, pressure trainers because if you pressurize mm. your horse and it's not too frightening, then that's fine. But just look at how yeah. you think the horse feels. Say, so watch it, look at it, look at the horse and see, does did he enjoy that? And if he enjoyed it, think, well, that's a good trainer. Let's follow them. That's what I would say. Mm. What do you think are some clues as to um, how it would look if the horse wasn't enjoying it? Oh, God, you're going to get technical on me, aren't we? Well, his his <laughs> left nostril will have three degrees in it and his ear will be at 35 degrees. Haven't got a clue. No, I have got some. You said that very convincingly. I was like, oh, is the left nostril yeah, the, a thing? The or? left nostril and the right eyelid. I think you can just, just keep watching. Just keep looking. The horse will tell you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I don't know for sure. And, you know, sometimes I'll see pictures and I think, oh, that looks really nice. And I, I talk through with my, um, you know, with Helen Spence. I do a lot of chatting with her and uh, I'll say, oh, I thought that one looked quite good. And she'll she'll tell me that it's left nostril had four wrinkles in it and it's <laughs> and its chin had a, you know, extra this and an extra that. Yeah, I think just just and don't take things too seriously. You know, just crack on and give it a yeah. go. Give it a go. Play around with it. I like that. I like that. And there are three questions, I think, that you use oh dear. in your training oh, yeah. Yeah, courses, yeah. right? Yeah. I can't remember them off the top of my head, but I know they're really good. Oh, they're very basic. Does he feel safe? So every animal, we all need to feel safe. You know, being in a war zone is not nice. Uh, oh, do we understand? So if they don't understand, how the hell are they, can they do it? And do they feel motivated? So the motivation is what I find the most difficult because, you know, at the end of the day, horses didn't necessarily know there was a dressage test and a show jumping arena and that they had to go riding on their own. Uh, so the motivation, and that's why I did the Nadine course because I love the motivation of her horses. So yes. what about you? What are your, what's your mantra? Oh, good question. <laughs> I think it changes from time to time. Um, I've borrowed yours recently. Oh. You put me on the spot now. <laughs> I'm the one doing the viewing. <laughs> I, for me, it's, it's always asking why, you know, why are we doing this? Because if you can connect with the why, 
it will help you yeah make yeah. good decisions because yeah i i believe we all have horses because we love them and we love connecting with them so if you're faced with a decision whether to use more pressure because you have to get to the competition and you need to get that horse on the float but if you connect with the why which is i love my horse i want to connect with my horse then it so doesn't make sense that's to sort of going down to them for the yeah same. i think i think what you're Does saying is this this is how i would interpret that is is your ego getting in the way with what you're doing mm-hmm. so i think that's a really big mm-hmm. thing and i think yes. for trainers you know me absolutely included is your ego is a big old rat in the log pile isn't it and it will pop up it will pop up yes. the whole time because <laughs> you're trying to you know i've got to make a living so i've got to try and you know i've got to try and keep my clients happy and sometimes you've got to think why yeah yeah oh, that's good connect with fantastic why. well love, lovely all to right talk to you. well yes you too tell us where our listeners can find out more about you and what you offer uh well i've got a website conniecolefox.com and I've got Connie Colfox, How Does Your Horse Really Feel? And my married name is Connie Found. Uh, so I've got that um, on Facebook. I think I have little bits on other things as well, but I'm mainly on Facebook occasionally. Occasionally, I did try TikTok. I think that's for the young. You're on Instagram as well, I'm pretty oh, sure. I'm on, I, I am on Instagram. <laughs> I am, but I'm not really on Instagram. That's only because Facebook. Facebook puts it across because Instagram, they don't let you do anything more than a few minute, seconds, do they? I like to do a bit um, of a three. I think it's a bit longer these days, like up to a minute. Don't quote me on that. But. Okay. I don't, I'm not very um, good with my, I do. Okay. I have a little bit of presence on Instagram. I must get better at all that stuff. Well, hopefully you get a few more followers after. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. (laughs) Thank you. I will put your website and your social media in the notes for this episode so people can find you there. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a great chat and I'm sure that this will have a positive ripple effect in the equestrian world. So thanks again for coming on. Well, thank you and lovely to meet you. Thanks for listening to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Make sure you hit the follow button so you get notified every time a new episode is released. And if you've learned even just one small thing from today's show, I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or screenshot this episode and share it on social media. You can connect with me on Instagram at Amalia underscore horses or my website AmaliaDempsey.com where you can find free resources to help you on your horsemanship journey. That's all for today. Thanks for being here. Remember to train with kindness and ride with excellence and I'll see you in the next episode.